and welcome to the Just Bloody Post-It podcast, a show for creative business owners and exciting freelancers and anyone who's marketing their work online and likes to hear how others do it too. Subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode. I'm your host, Helen Perry, and this time we're going to step outside with the renowned landscape architect, Marion Boswell. I just share what I'd like to see. I'm not really sharing it for, it's more like a, wow, isn't this lovely? Uh, and I've sort of kept that through the uh, you know process of using Instagram. I do read, I mean, I love reading um, lots of the people who share how you should be doing it. And I think they're amazing. And I've occasionally toyed with, you know, talking to camera and so on. And I might do that when I have more things to say. But I tend to think, well, that's in the book. They can read the book. (laughs) As well as being the founder of her own design practice, Marion's a lecturer and speaker. And she's also the author of a beautiful book, Sustainable Garden, which is packed with her philosophy and insights and advice for the eco-conscious gardener. It's a great gift. She and I connected on Instagram. Who knows when? You must go and follow her account for gorgeous pictures and video and words. She loves to share poetry and quotes and and enjoys social media. It's raised her profile and it's how the book deal came about. But I wonder how Marion makes peace with the online world when she has such an affinity to the natural one. We'll get onto that in a bit. But first, I asked if she could go anywhere in the world outdoors, where would that be? So if there was no issue with carbon footprint or time or anything then I would probably be be up a mountain in the Alps. I love to be in the complete wild and before lockdown I used to do quite a bit of ski touring so that's taking everything on your back and leaving for three to five days maybe a bit longer and sleeping in huts in the mountains Um, and really just witnessing that aloneness so there would be normally three of us but you might not see anybody else except at night time when you're staying the night. And you'd see um, eagles and vultures and we saw wolf kill. So, and, and when a wolf kills, there's no waste. All you see is red snow because everything else is eaten by uh, the vultures and the wolves. And this sort of circular economy really, really happens. So that would be my most extreme. Um, and closer to home, you find me in my garden. <laughs> because it's got that little bit of mixture of wild and not wild and then from that sort of big wide open aloneness the intimacy of a garden and looking at tiny insects and and knowing every tree I mean each tree I know what it's going to do when and I and I worry if if it's unhappy or looking sick or I rejoice if it's got more fruit than usual and and when the insects come you kind of think oh there's a dragonfly there's a butterfly so yes that's that sort of intimacy of knowing something really well how much time do you spend out there do you think in my garden um not enough (laughs) not as much as I'd like I'm looking at it so I have big windows in my studio and I uh, sometimes feel I've sort of got one foot trying to get out the door so I'm looking out there the whole time Um, so I would spend I love sunrises so I'm always outside if possible at sunrise and then I do like a qigong so I walk the dog like for an hour and then I do a qigong exercise with a stick which is a wonderful sort of I'm sitting here nodding like I know what Qigong is and I don't actually. So tell me, is it like Tai Chi? It's like Tai Chi, but it's it's uh, it's not a, a martial 
well, it's not a it's not a combative thing. It's more of breath work and stretching, really. If you think like tantric yoga, standing up with a stick. <laughs> that sounds easy. <laughs> it is actually, it's really easy. I was taught it by an 86-year-old beautiful woman, the wife of Satish Kumar. And when she taught it to me, I thought, oh, this feels easy. And the next day I could barely move. I was so stiff. <laughs> but it's it's easy once you get into the swing of it. Uh, I have a morning yoga practice that I developed as a coping mechanism during lockdown, actually. So I, I really found that totally incorporated into my my day now. It's just that tw- I only do 15 or 20 minutes, sometimes 10 if that's all I've got. And it really, I really find it helps. It's so grounding, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. And it, it's so worth taking the time. Have you always worked in the outdoors? Has that always been your working life, your career? No, no, I... Um... I studied languages. Um, I loved art and I loved gardens before. I used to garden with my granny when I was little. I loved being outside. I've always wanted to be outside. Um, but then I studied languages and I sort of went into the corporate world. You slightly get swept along, don't you? You, you feel what this is what success is, so this is what I need to do. And I think it's only... Uh, after a little while I hope the next generation are getting there sooner (laughs) but I think well I I know that you had a sort of similar wake up in that you get to a certain stage when you think actually what does success look like is it more money and faster yachts I mean obviously not yachts in my case but you know is it the big shiny stuff or is it actually um, happiness and self-fulfillment yes how do you want to really spend your time I try and get in touch with that more these days. What do you really want to be doing? I know we always have to balance that off against the needs to fund our lifestyles, however grand or or otherwise they are. But what do you really want to be doing? Um, I know that you have a deep respect for the natural world. And I want to ask you about how disconnected you, you may or may not feel many of us have become from it it's something I've been thinking on recently particularly the last few weeks I listened not so long ago to a a program on the radio about Lady Eve Balfour who founded the Soil Association and there was just this one sentence that has stood out for me from it she the the narrator I can't remember who who was reading the program said that she believed that the soil and us and everything we eat are the same thing. We can't be separated from one another. I mean, people thought she was a crank at the time. And um, I think that's more of an accepted, you know, viewpoint now. But do you feel that we're a little lost in that from that idea? Uh, first of all, I had a wonderful phrase the other day for what a crank is, which okay. is a tool to get an engine to move. Oh, yes. <laughs> so it's accurate. Yes. yes so. Entirely accurate. I mean, what an amazing woman. Wasn't she just amazing? And so much of what she said is, we're just beginning to catch up. It's a bit like Prince Charles, you know, now King Charles talking to his plants and everybody thought he was batty and and now they're thinking there's something in it. Well, I I do think that we are soil. I mean, we return to soil. So, you know, when we're dead and gone, dust to dust, ashes to the bushes. But more to the point, that when you study how much of us is human and how much of us is non-human... We are less human than non-human. The amount of bacteria and fungus and microbes that are on us and in us and that we need to function. Um, then you start, you, you realise that actually we are one. So if we're poisoning our soil, 
and then we're eating it, it doesn't, that doesn't make sense because then we are eating the poison and then all the microbes inside of us are being poisoned as well, which means we're being poisoned. So yes, in terms of the disconnect, I think that we have just um, perhaps been slightly enthralled with our own cleverness and uh, gone down the line of um, thinking the rational scientific um, way to be is the only way to be. And now we're beginning to think, actually, that's not working. So maybe if we look to the slightly more intuitive way that feels good and that feels comfortable, perhaps that's going to work instead. And the answer is probably it's going to be a balance of both, don't you think? Yes. You can be wistful about days gone by and sort of ignore the, the, the real tr struggles and challenges that people had with sustaining existence. And, and a lot of the, the, the technological change that we experience now, it, it was around resolving those problems. But like you say, we've become disconnected. I was talking to a nutritionist about um, Zoe, you know, the thing that you put on your arm. And she was like, we've become so reliant on a, an app or a bit of technology to tell us how we're feeling <laughs> like if you eat a pizza and you don't feel very well afterwards just you know you don't need an app to tell you it's disagreeing with you 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 kind of you like no it doesn't I can't really eat that kind of food I don't feel good afterwards you don't need you know you don't need an app to tell you um but I mean it's a, such an enormous topic and you know you're 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 at as at one with nature as anybody I would speak to uh, but have you always been also an ambitious businesswoman yes I have and actually I would say that Zoe has a place in terms of opening people's eyes so um sometimes it's helpful to to for somebody to point out to you if you don't know and, and, and none of us can know everything so I mean I I have a hunch that if I eat three packets of biscuits I don't feel great <laughs> but if somebody was to say to me well if you ate three packets of biscuits made with you know gluten-free or wholemeal or whatever flour you would be you might feel better off I think I'd still less is probably still more um, but yes, I am. I was a businessman. I was a management consultant for my um, main career, if you like. So I have been through the big corporate sausage machine. Um, and so a lot of the clients I work with now are those kind of alpha males and alpha females that I used to, to work with before. So people who really are, are going places and want to get things done. And so I, I understand all of that, um, as well as um, understanding the slightly more esoteric or slower pace of life um, and I made a choice so I made a choice to live a um, more contained if you like I mean it's still jolly hard work I'm not pretending that, that it's any easier but it I feel like it's my own choice all along the way so with my team we decide what work that we want to go for and what we want to do and how how we want to do it and that means a huge amount to me so I think having been through the business world has really helped to find what's important and pick out the cherry pick really what's important to me out of um, profitability and efficiency and success and um, having a, um, a platform or having you know being known and all those sorts of things and, and just not not strive in the areas that, that don't haven't made me happy. They might make other people happy, but really it's a question. And a bit like your yoga practice, it's just that touching base with yourself the whole time. And we do it as a team here. If we touch base, you know, is this 
is this working for us? Is, is this enjoyable? Um, do we feel like we're doing good? Uh, and sometimes if we're not feeling like we're doing good, if we feel like we're doing harm, then we have to stop. Because we don't, that's absolutely our first thing is the do no harm, the ahimsa of the, of the yoga world, do no harm. First, a side note, I feel like I'm going to get a lot of messages from people who are enjoying using Zoe. And I, I am really happy for you if you are. I have a very open mind about Zoe. And a lot of it makes great sense. Um, you mentioned, Marion, uh, the benefit of having a profile of being known for, you know, what you do. Uh, you're on Instagram, you've written a book, you speak. Do you enjoy, do you enjoy that? Yes, I do. I do enjoy it. Um, and yeah, on the profile bit, I mean, I love, I used to love, so your um, Just Bloody Post It is a great tagline, but so was your Not About The Kids. So when I first knew you, you were, you were Not About The Kids. And I kind of felt like that as well. You know, I really like the fact that, we have two as mothers, um, or even if you've got you know parents, or whatever. You always have a slight split personality, and you're distinctly saying, "Right, this is me, and this is this is what I'm about." So, do I enjoy it? Yes, I, I enjoy it very much. I also like being quiet. I also like being um, by myself, and um, I love connecting with people. I really like it when people send me messages, and I'm, I've met people well, like people like you. I've met really good um, people on. Instagram and in the old days on Twitter as well before it became a little bit less good karma um, and um, it's it's wonderful it's wonderful to be able to share and to to grow together I've recently just been wondering about my Instagram because I think you can have a self-selecting bubble and I now see that a lot of people that I follow think more similarly to me and so I'm just beginning to wonder if um, how does one break out of that and how does one actually meet people who, um, not, I, I'm not, I don't want to preach and convert the world, but I'd like to have other people's opinions as well. So it's that, I think it's, that's part of the algorithm, isn't it? Instagram shows you the people that you speak to and interact with, and then you can shrink a bit. Yes, Definitely. I'm super aware of that. Um, recently, my husband and I had a conversation and he was like, you're getting very angry about this certain issue. And I think it's because it's what you're seeing a lot of online. And I was like, yeah, I think you're right. And I think it was it was creating some nervous tension in me. And that was just a, a bubble issue that the people I tended to get content from what we're all talking about this certain thing and so therefore if I was engaging in a little bit of it then the algorithm thinks oh she's interested I'm going to give her more and more and more and then you just are hearing this one note conversation about how something is either really bad or really good or whatever it might be with no no nuance no challenge and it can get ever more hysterical as people are trying to get noticed um and, you know, it's, it's well documented as being one of the big failures of social media is that the algorithm wants to hold your attention for as long as it possibly can. And it does that by not making you uncomfortable at all. I don't think I know the answer to how you reach outside your bubble and follow people because especially Instagram, especially Twitter, it attracts the extreme of, of opinion. Where do you meet all the sensible people who might go... <laughs> 
hang on a minute. I sort of agree with you, but I also think, have you considered this? And you can have a, a wonderful conversation with them. I don't yeah. know. Um, it's, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? But then sometimes by going to places where you have met people through social media and then you go and meet people in real life and there are lots of other people there as well. And I think that's probably the answer, isn't it? We we have to remove the filter of the computers. Um, funny enough, I went, I took my dog to the vet this morning and I just really noticed how much he was talking to the computer. Um, no, no, not his fault, but that's just the way we are now. So he, he said something to me and then he spent quite a while talking to the computer, putting things in and working. And then he said a little bit to me, a little bit. And then he was back with the computer and I think I did think, gosh, I, I'm... I'm going to try and give myself some computer-free days. Do you think we could do that? Mm. Yeah, I think I think the importance of trying to make direct eye contact with someone when you're able to. I mean, we all spend a lot of time engaged with screens, but when you're in the, the situation where you can put it down to one side, I think really making the most of that opportunity a bit like the soil thing it must be inc- it must be incredibly good for us to to really make the most of that connection whenever we have it even if you know we we both work in very quiet spaces at times and on our own but it doesn't mean that you don't love connection when you when you get it how do 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 how do you control your screen time or do you think you're pretty healthy around that um i well, I have a little timer that tells me if I've spent more than an hour on Instagram. So, yeah, that's one thing. And um, I try very hard not to look at it before I get to work in the morning. Um, that's another thing. That's not always that easy. Yes, I, I think it probably does intrude more than it should. But then when I'm outside or with clients or things like that, then it's off. And my phone is usually off. So it's sort of like it's my choice. So I'm rather rather than answering WhatsApps and because um, there's now so many ways people can get hold of you. So if I'm out trying to be with um, with nature, then um, I'm trying not to be with the, the machines because otherwise we can't get quiet enough to to listen to the birds or the trees or that sort of thing. Um, and that's really so magical. Although, bringing it back to technology, one of the things I do think is really brilliant is the um, the app called Merlin. That um, Do you know it? it? It tells you what birds you're listening to, and it's free. Oh, oh so just, you, just, you, you, you can have it on your, your phone here. It's so clever what the phone can listen to. Oh, that's lovely. I'm going to do that. My, we, have, we have really good bird song in our back garden, so I'm going to... It's, it's I'm wonderful, because then you begin, and it highlights which bird's singing at which time. And I just think that's such a lovely nature connection to spend five minutes knowing which birds are in your garden. Um, yeah, it's, it's heavenly. It's called Merlin, like the wizard. Yes, and it's free. Yeah. Fantastic. Good tip. Um, you share to your Instagram, uh, typically beautiful photos, because obviously you're outdoors in beautiful places very often. Uh, and you often couple them with a, a, a poem or an inspirational quote or some beautiful words. Are you also a, a wordy person? <laughs> a reader? Uh, yeah, oh, yes. Yeah, if you can see. Um, I, I have very full bookshelves everywhere and there are actually piled on desks and on the floor but and this is the tidy place so my house is a lot worse I love words and I love the way they connect us to something much deeper and I think breaking down those veils and getting beyond um, that's how we really connect to thoughts and to people I, I think so yeah I love poetry 
I mean, we're very we're very rude about how much damage humans do to one another and to the natural world, but we are so clever. <laughs> and I love playing playing with other people's brains. You know, you're just like, oh my word, I can't believe they thought that. I can't believe they said that. And it's beautiful. So yes, I love to read. What about you? Uh, yeah, I do. And I wish I did it more. And I, I allow myself to spend too much time, particularly during the working day, looking at a screen when I probably 15 minutes of reading would be far more enriching. You've got the most beautiful book, Marion, Sustainable Garden. Did you enjoy writing that? Or was it hard? Uh, it's a long time sitting on your bottom. <laughs> How long did it take? It took about a year. Um, and I know I loved all the ideas. And I loved um, the concept and putting it together. There is a little bit of hard graft towards the end of actually getting the words on the page for the deadline. And towards the end of the book, I wanted to say so much more. In fact, I'm now writing another one because um, they very sweetly asked me to write. Like, you can sort of tell when it gets to the layered planting and the forest garden, you might just be able to tell that the words are sort of squished up a bit more. It's like, and I want to say another thing, and, and they need to know this, and, you know, I need to share this. Did, were you invited to write the book, or was it your idea and you pitched it? No, I was invited to write it. Um, and uh, then for the next book, they, the, love, the publishers very sweetly said, um, what do you want to say next? And we, we talked about it, we thrashed it out, um, and we've gone... Um, for something, it's sort of a continuation, really. It's like the next stage, if you like. And do you think you would have been afforded that opportunity if you had didn't have the profile that you have as a landscape architect? No, I don't think it was even it was a landscape architect. I think it was because of Instagram. So I started writing on Instagram, and then I was asked by um, Lucy, who was the editor of Gardens Illustrated, if I would write a series of articles for Gardens Illustrated, Jason Ingram, who photographs my um, gardens, he, I, th I don't know if he suggested me to her or not, but he was definitely influential in knowing my work because because he'd been around and seen and chatted to me. I, I love to get up early, so I would always go and be with him in the gardens. So he was very influential and I'm very grateful to him, to them both. And then once I wrote those articles, um, I won the, um, what was it, Garden garden writer of the year, garden columnist of the year, something like that. And I think that just helped that people then thought perhaps I could string a few words together. What a lovely sideline. Yes. Must enjoy doing it. Yes. And they really are. I do urge you to go, if, if gardening, if you think sustainable gardening might be, might be your thing, I urge you to get hold of a copy. What are the elements of a successful outdoor space, a successful garden, regardless of how big or small the space is that you're creating, do you think? The intention is the first thing. So whatever it means to the person who is using it is number one. So if you're going out for a, a place of respite, so we're currently doing a hospital garden, which um, is for patients to go out. And there's an arbor there. And one of the things that our clients have said is actually arbor is really useful because if something bad has happened, you can go for a little cry and you can't be seen. So, you know, if it's a place for respite or a place, a safe haven, then that's the intention. Or if it's a place for... Um, for show, I mean, I, I, well, much as I like sustainability, and, and I would always use reclaimed, uh, and I'm slightly more of a quiet 
person apart from chatting away there are some people who want it to be a bit of theatre so that's that's perfectly valid um that you might want your your garden to be doing that yes yeah, so that's that's it it's really the intention and, and is it welcoming uh, so how do you make it welcoming? So I, I'm very interested in sort of the concepts of feng shui and they have something called the Ming Tang, which is like the hall of abundance. And it's it's the sort of the hug as you arrive somewhere. Do you feel welcome? Do you feel hugged? Um, so all of those those things, I think, are what go to make, a, I mean, successful as in doing doing what, what it should do. So by that's that's my, that's what I mean by success. Um then if the parameters of success are is it looking after the planet then you, you need a connection to the soil and a connection to um, creatures that live there and really to plant it for that I suppose a little bit naively I tend to think of gardening in general across the board as a fairly sustainable activity when you talk about sustainable gardening is it about not putting bad things into the soil or is it more than that what's the mission that you're on how, how do you want it to I suppose influ influence as a garden influencer how do you want us to think about what we're putting in in our in our gardens and outdoor spaces well I think it starts right from the beginning of knowing what your land would be say if you weren't there if there was no humans what would that piece of land be so in London you're often on lovely old nursery land so the soil's pretty good already and sometimes you're on a south-facing slope or a slope that gets enough sun. So it's working with the energy and the tools which, which are available to you. It's then thinking about what's already there, so using the materials that are already there if possible. But if you want to take them up, thinking about where they're going to end up. So the saddest example, for example, for, for a garden would be if you ripped everything out, put it into landfill and replaced it with, say granite which had come from China which or from a country where perhaps um, the the labor was not regulated it could have been child labor um, so there you've got a very heavy material coming a very long way so very high carbon footprint and very high karmic footprint I would say from you know people who are um, so contrast that with making use of what's there already perhaps making some cracks in paving that's already there and planting into it so that you can get the water into the land as quick as possible, saving the water from the roofs, um, increasing your biodiversity, feeding. I mean, gardens are all about feeding. They feel our, feed our souls, but they can also feed all the creatures. So can you have climbers that have berries? Can you have trees that have flowers? It doesn't have to be high maintenance at all. It just, it just needs a little bit of thought at the outset. Um, so I, I suppose that's what I mean by sustainable, just thoughtful. You must be so. I'm going to put words into your mouth. So pleased that you that you took on this second act, aren't you? In, um, in the outdoors, um, or do you, or do you yeah. sometimes want yeah, to? Yeah, sometimes want to. We all we all do. If you've got something in you, then I would say follow your dream. I worked with. Uh, I think I've mentioned her to you before. This brilliant um, coach, I suppose, um, Elizabeth Cairns, and I still work with her, and I still recommend her to. Anybody that says that they are looking for a mission or a uh, purpose, because um, she just really helped me so many years ago to think why I was doing what I was doing. And I kind of knew deep down, but once you've spoken it out loud, it really helps you to steer and choose. So if something comes your way and you think it looks a bit shiny and exciting, 
then you can put it up against the sort of measure of what you've decided you're going to do and think yes or think oh actually no and that has been really helpful to me where where I might have because I am you know quite driven if you like where sometimes I might have overstretched or gone in the wrong direction it's been very helpful um yes but I would say to anybody who's thinking about following their um their I am to follow it I had an experience with a great coach called Stephanie um before I started before I started not about the kids actually before I you know just to get me get me unstuck but it is a it is a a very welcome skill that you acquire sadly a bit too late in life to go do I really want to do this or am I just doing it because I've been asked you know or you know it's just and and as is it as is it actually going to lead me off down that slightly the wrong the wrong path um and also on that note I suppose as a uh, uh would you describe yourself as an introverted person yeah, well, I think extrovert, introvert, but yes, I mean, I'm, so I love that book by Susan Cain, is it Quiet? She did a brilliant uh, TED talk called Quiet, and it was the power of introverts, so basically the power of people who, who like to think and then bring their thoughts to the party rather than think as they, think as they go along, yeah. And again, as, as, that, as, as that type of person, how do you find comfort with an online presence you don't share you don't share video of yourself particularly or I mean I suppose it's proof of being able to do this thing in your completely your own way rather than following the you've got to be on reels you've got to be on video you've got to be how did you find your recipe for showing up in a public space like that as a person with quieter tendencies (laughs) I um well, I really, I just share, share what I'd like to see. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not really sharing it for, it's more like a, wow, isn't this lovely? Uh, and I've sort of kept that through the, through the uh, you know, process of using Instagram. I do read. I mean, I love reading um, lots of the people who share how you should be doing it, and I think they're amazing. Um, and I've occasionally toyed with, you know, talking to camera and so on. Um, and I might do that when I have more uh, things to say. But I tend to think, well, that's in the book. They can read the book. <laughs> Whereas, and I also, I get very easily bored. So once I've said it, I sort of assume that everybody else has already heard it as well. So that, and that's wrong. So then I shouldn't be doing that. So I know that I haven't shared nearly enough from the book because in my mind, I've kind of already said that. So now I'm out trying to find the next new shiny thing. <laughs> it's like, look at this and look at this. But I think... I mean, Instagram has been the most phenomenal um, help to people who perhaps don't like going to parties or feel uncomfortable in a big room or um, would rather not go up to London. I'm quite happy in the country. Thank you very much. It's a brilliant connector. I, looked, I recently looked at Lily Gray, who sells children's jumpers. Oh, my word. She's amazing. She just tells you some random fact about her life and then finishes her Instagram with, would you like to buy a jumper? Which is, I think, as you would say, in your email, in your sort of how to sell it, it's just perfect. Because you, you just think, oh, yes. what a nice person. Would you like to buy a jumper? You think, well, yeah, probably. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> if you've made it, I'll definitely have it. Uh, what lies 
ahead for you, Marion. Another book. Yeah, another book. And well, I'm doing some more speaking. And then I'm doing this very exciting Create course with Nicole Masters. So she is a soil guru. She wrote this brilliant, she would challenge the word guru, but but she as a New Zealander, she wrote a book called For the Love of Soil. And she is teaching 24 of us how to be agroecology coaches in the UK to then teach other people. So they, they're ahead of us in terms of understanding the importance of soil and how to look after it on a large scale. Because whilst I design some gardens, most of what I do is um, larger scale sort of estates and master planning. We'd like to think about floodplains and whole farms and how to work better with nature. And so she has very wonderfully started doing this in the UK and I'm part of that. So that's taking up a lot of my time. It's like doing another master's. Oh my goodness. Plus running a, a practice and writing books. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing everything that you're up to and what you believe. I've not spent half an hour talking about gardens and the outside world in my life ever uh, and I really enjoyed it I think there's so much to say and so much to learn oh please come and see me come and see my garden it would be great fun I bet your garden's delightful divine I would love to where do you live I'm down in Kent and my garden's very friendly and quite messy so um please yes don't it doesn't look like like the magazines and I always say um it's, it's a beauty, not like the magazines, it's a beauty for the way it thinks, like F. Scott Fitzgerald. So it's a beauty more than skin deep. Yes. At the very beginning of the conversation, you said that you feel like you can sense when your plants are unhappy. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Because, of they, because of the way they look, the way they're holding themselves? How? Yes. Well, it's just like, um, you know, a rabbit might have floppy ears or a, or a horse might have floppy ears or a person might just be a bit sad. A, a, yeah, there's a, just a feeling. Um, all of those, all sentient beings have a kind of, they emanate a feeling, don't they? And it's just tuning into that. Here's to more happy plants. I'm sure that, that many of the ones in your garden are very, very well looked after. Thank you again, Mary. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, it is so nice to finally meet someone I've been friends with online for a long time now. They say there's an age when you start to get into birdwatching and I guess I've hit it because I downloaded the Merlin birdwatching app on Marion's recommendation and it's amazing. We moved a little bit out of town three years ago during the pandemic and now we've got a puppy and my vision for the future involves, I don't know, big coats, wellies, birdwatching and beach walks. We're not at the beach just yet, but life is unexpected. What do we learn from Marion? Grace, consistency with your values, and that you really can do this thing of promoting your staff anywhere you want to. If you start with the question, what would I like to see? What would I like to follow? You can't go too far wrong. Thank you always for listening. Why not share this episode with your friends? Every recommendation is very appreciated. And we'll be back soon. Bye for now.